Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about how to find love in the midst of a super tiny, no big deal, barely even happening COVID outbreak on your reality dating show. We're moving on, Claire. We're moving on from that. This week on The Bachelor, Zach has broken out of core and is ready to squeeze the filming schedule even tighter to make up for lost time. While Greer has quietly vanished into her own isolation chamber, I assume she will emerge at some point, but not this week. Plus, nudism, witchcraft, traditional Baltic sports. Let's get started. I, It's just the two of us. I, I feel like we have a lot to dig into. I know. I'm actually excited. We haven't done an episode, just the two of us, in a little while, and we both love to talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nice to get this intimate one-on-one time. So <laughs> let's dive in. We're in Tallinn, Estonia. It's not every day that The Bachelor falls in love in a scenic European city where I have personally been as a 12-year-old with my grandma and two cousins on a Baltic sea cruise. Same vibes, I assume. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, Outings, you know, group outings and uh, lots of uh, just sort of Americans being like, whoa, there are castles here. It was that sort of vibe. It's so funny. The Bachelor is kind of like a cruise. I mean, there is a reason that they were able to film The Bachelorette on a cruise ship. It's just, there's just synergy there. Yeah, it truly is. I'm not joking. In a lot of ways, the same vibes, except you're sharing a room with your grandma. And, you know, that's a little bit different. Um, Brooklyn feels like they're in the movie Frozen. It's cold and there are castles. Show me the lie, Claire. (laughs) I mean, she makes a great point. And for every... Every experience you can have in the world, there is a Disney movie that can make that clearer to you. That's what they hope. Yeah. Meanwhile, Zach needs an exit interview from his COVID quarantine. So Jesse Palmer meets him for coffee to sort of reintroduce him to the world and let him know what's happened (laughs) while he was gone. It's like, I know that whole week was super tough. Hope you're doing okay. And then he gives Zach some devastating news. I think we have a clip. Well... I do have some news. Uh, unfortunately, Greer also is feeling a bit under the weather. Is she okay, by the way? Like, yeah. is she like. Yeah, she feels fine. She, she feels fine. Okay. Yeah, asymptomatic, and she's just in the room. Asymptomatic. Quarantining. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
I love that they've decided that they can't say the word COVID. So their new euphemism is feeling a little under the weather, even if the person is not not feeling under the weather. No, it's incredible to be like, she's under the weather, but asymptomatic. (laughs) So she's like, she has COVID. She tested (laughs) positive for COVID, which is what you're saying. But you, for some reason, like, don't want to directly tell us that the word we COVID. still remember we know it's covid we know okay no one wants to put their ads next to a segment in which the word covid <laughs> is said like let's let's protect our assets here so zach asks jesse to tell greer that he's thinking about her he wants her to hurry up and feel better but no pressure no pressure just like hurry up and feel better it doesn't appear to occur to Zach to make her a care package and goes knock on her door. And Zach is just like, well, I guess I will be waiting another week to send her home. <laughs> and he talks a little bit about how well things are going with his remaining women, especially Katie, Brooklyn, Kat, and Gabby. And he also mentions his, his last two non-Greer women who haven't had a one-on-one, Ariel, who is intriguing and Jess who he doesn't really feel he knows yet and gosh we're sure running out of time for him to get to know anything about these two women aside from an initial sense of intrigue but that's what we're in Estonia for so the one-on-one card arrives and of course it's for Charity who had her one-on-one skipped let's make up for lost time I'm so glad that they didn't try to drag this out or make her more anxious Yeah, I mean, she's like, oh, I'm so glad he didn't, like, skip and be like, I'll get back to her later. Like, that would be messed up. Like, week six is do or die time. I looked this up because it came up so often during this episode. We're in week six. I went back on Wikipedia. (laughs) Before that, the Wikipedia descriptions of the episodes gets pretty sparse. But as far back as I could go, I think it was, like, 14 seasons ago. I couldn't find a ring winner who didn't get a one-on-one by the end of episode six, which oh, yeah. is just and a even couple that, of them, like Catherine. Catherine. There's one other, I think. And maybe, I think Hannah Ann didn't get a one-on-one until, and that's a weird situation because he wanted to pick Maddie, who got the first <laughs> one-on-one. You know, we're at, it's do or die time. Like, you need that one-on-one this week. Charity shouldn't have to give that up. So... He, he slots her right in and comes to the hotel to pick her up, give everyone a hug, feed their oxytocin receptors. They haven't had a hug from Zach in so long. And he promised all of them the biggest one ever. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, if they're all exactly the same in size, I guess they could all be the biggest. He gives everyone the biggest hug. And as he's sitting, catching up with everyone, something unexpected happens. Cat asks him to come with her for a minute before his date, kind of mid-conversation as he's talking to everyone. She's like, oh, can you come with me for a second? And he's like, yeah. And they go, they, they leave. And all the other women are like, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? Charity in particular seems super annoyed. She's like, <laughs> she makes a really good facial expression, like with her whole face and all of her fingers. She's just like, you can see the annoyance and she's going to express it, but she's not going to say anything quite yet. She said, I'm not sure if this was the most appropriate timing for a conversation, 
Listen, if we're all going to share a boyfriend, we have to agree on some ground rules, which is that when he comes over to our shared house to pick me up for a date, you don't steal him away for a makeout sesh while we're on our way out the door. Like, that's just etiquette. Or if you do, you have to accept the consequences yes. socially. Yes, and there like, will be. Like, you can be. make what whatever plays you want, <laughs> and sometimes that can work in your favor with the lead. However, to expect no one else to say anything or be frustrated by you kind of stepping on toes during what is generally a moment where everyone is, like, respecting the person yeah. who's on the date, like, eh. It's just so awkward. I was watching this, and I was thinking about how terrible I would be at winning this show because whenever it's like the end of yoga class and the yoga instructor is like, if you have any questions or like you want to talk about like something you're having an issue with, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I did want to say something, but it seems like she's talking to someone else right now. So I'll just leave and maybe next week. And that happens every week, you know, like, and that's my yoga instructor talking to another client. Like, Oh the yeah, to be clear, this is this is how I know I would I would <laughs> I would just be one of the girls that immediately fades to the back because yeah, would never want to ask for time. I also would care so much more about the social dynamics around me with the people I'm yeah. actually living with. I'd be like, I can't upset my new friends. <laughs> God forbid. God forbid. So after Kat and Zach have left the room, Brooklyn also pipes up and is like, Yes, I'm annoyed, but Charity, I'm sure Zach will make the day all about you. That's what you deserve. Like, try to stay focused on that. The other women all seem pretty annoyed. It's not just Charity. Allie is like, yeah, of course we'd all want to do this, but we wouldn't do it because this is Charity's moment, and that's just inconsiderate. Out in the hall, Kat tells, tells Zach that she just missed him, and she just wanted to take a little moment to say, like, hey, how are you doing? They make out a little bit. Zach says he appreciates her initiative in making time. And when they return, Gabby points out in her ITM, Zach appears to be wearing lip gloss, which I don't think he applied himself. Gabby is observant. She's like, She's maybe like, I, I see what weirdly you're doing. observant. And I'm like, I actually think several women make a comment about it. So his face must have just been <laughs> they smeared do. with lip gloss. I know I was looking for it. I <laughs> it's was like, hard I to don't tell see on camera it. sometimes. Yeah. Like the glisteniness of a little lipstick might show up more when you're sitting across someone, across from someone on the couch. Um, so he comes back like visibly smeared with cat's makeup. And they're all like, okay. That's one way to start your date with Charity. But Zach and Charity do leave for their date, and immediately the other women zero in on Kat and are like, how was your chat? How was that? Oh, my God. I loved watching Allie do this because she's doing that classic girl leading into conflict <laughs> thing where it's like, oh, yeah, how, was your chat good? Was that, how was that? Yeah, was that what you wanted it to be? I'm going to give cool. you the floor. <laughs> Hang yourself with your own rope. Kat says it was good. And since we were just chilling, I thought I could say hi and just let him know that I missed him a lot. And Allie says, well, I just know if that had happened before my date, it would have really messed me up. I would have been in my head about it. And Kat's like, well, we hadn't, we haven't seen him in a really long time. I really missed him. And I'm allowed to see him and talk to him if that's what I want to do. And this is when Brooklyn decides to make her feelings known to Kat. I think we have a clip. I'm sorry, but I feel like that was kind of not the time for that. Oh. It's fair to miss him, 
but he came here for her. Okay, but that's for her to tell me, not for you. That's fine, and she'll tell you how she feels. I'm telling you how I feel. So I don't think it's classless. (laughs) Brooklyn is actually giving me extreme, like, I don't know, like, aunt energy, like explaining how you made a social faux pas that you don't understand. It's like a little bit like, sweetie, like you're young. Let me explain to you how this works. Like you don't do that. Like maybe another and time, also, but not right now. You have no class. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little classless. I don't know. I would wear a slip with that dress. I, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm a different generation. Um, it's just the way that she's like <laughs> comporting herself to to cat the tone is so funny to me cat is shocked and offended that brooklyn is coming at her in this way there are some very offensive words being used offensive and harsh words she's like i'm not sure why it has to be so aggressive this isn't fair to me at all and she's like this is everyone's own individual relationships if i want him to be my husband at the end and i need a moment i'm going to take that time And Brooklyn says, well, I would want that moment, but not to be selfish and take it from someone else's time. But maybe you feel differently. So there's that. I would not want to be in a fight with Brooklyn. (laughs) Me neither. I'm scared. (laughs) In her in the moment, Kat's like, I felt attacked. I don't understand why I can't have my moment. This is just such a classic Bachelor conflict where both people are drawing so heavily from like, the the culture and the language of the show and in that way that like they're both justifying it with like this like legalistic you know defense well he's going to be my husband and so if i need that time i should take that time and and then there's the the you know counter which is like well that time has been allotted to her it's her one-on-one and you are stepping on her time that's been allotted to her by the show and really, both of these things are true within the world of the show. Yeah, it's a it's a delicate negotiation. I mean, sometimes... Which is ultimately why I think that if you make a bold move like that, you have to own the social consequences. It's not that you're not allowed to have your moment, but to also demand that none of the other women feel ruffled by that is not reasonable. It seemed supremely untactical to me to steal him in front of all the women. Like, when we've seen it work out better for women, it's like... You do it at night. You do it at night. In the you middle of the no night, you go to his hotel watching. room. <laughs> right. You, you do a Susie. You're like, Clayton, meet me in the watchtower after yeah, dark. Yeah, a Susie, a Courtney, a Claire. Like, we've seen it done a bunch of times in different yeah. ways. And it really can work. But I think it was it was definitely untactical because it had a high social cost and I don't think that the payoff was really high enough in terms of her relationship with Zach. Absolutely. So strategy-wise, I think it was stupid. Well, this is the thing. You're trying to maximize the value of that interaction with Zach while minimizing right. the, the tension that it causes with the rest of the group. Because the tension it causes with the rest of the group can also impact your relationship with Zach ultimately if no one else likes you. And it can make your time in the house very uncomfortable. So to me, this is the equivalent of, like, in the middle of doing this, of just, like, actually kissing him. Like, it's all on the same spectrum. Like, if she just came over to him and plopped in his lap and made out with him, like, well, she's taking some time to do something intimate with someone that she hopes to marry. But, of course, they all understand that there are 
certain boundaries that they don't cross out of respect for each other in order to get through this process. And the more that you disregard those by flaunting the extra time you're taking in front of the other women, the more challenging you're just making it for yourself in the end. Like, try to get that extra time without them knowing in some way. So Kat doesn't seem to grasp this. She's not sure why they're upset. And she keeps saying, like, why can't I have my moment? And it's like, Kat, it's not your moment. That's the whole point. Like, <laughs> you've just claimed this moment for yourself. This is part of Charity's date, essentially. This is the pickup. Like, this is not your moment at all. And she doesn't seem to be fundamentally understanding that. She's like, I've decided this was my moment. And they're ruining it for me. Without ever conceding that maybe she's ruining Charity's moment of being picked up for her romantic date by, with Zach. Yeah, she wants to have whatever she wants when she wants it. And she doesn't want any criticism. It's very, it's very simple. <laughs> I mean, fair. Who who among us doesn't who, yeah. just want to do whatever we want? I, too, don't want to be criticized for any of my decisions. Yeah. So. so, meanwhile, Charity and Zach do head off on their date. And Zach is so eager to see if any of his connections have survived a week off in quarantine. So, this is a super important week. This date is just good vibes right away. Yeah. From start to finish. Charity is always good vibes. Like, she that's is. Her, that's her whole personality really she's pleasant to be around she's sweet she's supportive and they start off with this autumnal walk through Tallinn that soon turns into an autumnal carriage ride through the town of Tallinn it's very romantic Charity and Zach are just taking in the architecture she admits that she's a history geek as stunning women always are they're just like so geeky and Zach (laughs) says I love history, but I have a bad memory. Maybe Zach, like me, has had a rough go at trivia night. Yeah, I think that there is this sort of grade school understanding that we have of history that's like, being into history is about knowing a lot of facts. It's so true. (laughs) And if you don't know them, then do you Yeah, if you can't name all the years various (laughs) historical events happened, then do you enjoy history at all. Yeah. And then you get into college and you take a history class and you're like, oh, this is really more about like movements yeah. and the way that culture shifts over time and yeah. what might be impacting those shifts. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily about lists of dates of battles entirely, <laughs> but a lot of us still feel as adults like I'm not allowed to be into history if I can't tell you certain, you know, key dates in the, you know, when certain kings came to power in England. So they're they're admiring a stunning building and he jokes, and you know it's at least three years old. <laughs> Charity laughs and laughs. They're cuddled. They're up doing history with each other. humor. <laughs> Adorable. They're such geeks. They're such hot, hot geeks. Hot geeks. Beautiful, beautiful geeks. <laughs> That's what we love on our reality television. So the carriage ride stops when they see what looks like a human steeplechase happening. It's racers carrying riders upside down on their backs while hopping over hurdles. And apparently this is a popular sport in Estonia called wife carrying. And I did not believe this 
But when you Google things like this, like cultural traditions on The Bachelor, that that they, they're like, this is a big thing here. Half the time, it seems to not exist at all. The other half of the time, you're like, wow, this is real. And this does appear to be real. There's like a Wikipedia page for it. There are world champion competitions that Estonians have won in the past. I mean, I'm going to say all of the people there (laughs) seemed genuinely into it and to like fully know what was going on. Yeah. No, it's real. It's, It's basically, I mean, it doesn't have to be your wife, but it is typically, it's a female uh, rider carried upside down on the back of a male racer. And as the <laughs> leader, the, the host of the games explains, you have to like move like quickly, but also gently, you know, like carry your partner without injuring them while getting through the course as quickly as possible. And what do you know? He sees Charity and Zach in the crowd and he's like, you two. Why don't you Charity give it volunteers. a try? Charity seems ready. And She's game. Also, I too would be game because I I would look at that and be like, this is my ideal obstacle course. I don't have to run at all. You have to have a lot of trust in your partner. That's actually true. <laughs> Zach is is an athlete. He's brawny. She puts on a helmet because, of course, God forbid, you your grip slips and your quote-unquote wife falls right on the top of her head. So she puts on a helmet and they get in there. And Zach just absolutely books it. <laughs> he, he's really good at this. He's competitive. He steams through this course. They win their heat. They share a celebratory kiss. Everything is coming up, Zach and Charity. It really is. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to see how things are going with Kat in Brooklyn back at the hotel. Can you keep up? I like love it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, (laughs) turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head-to-toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. 
Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, (laughs) you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really, like, elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it, so comfortable, so chic, also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. We are back. And back at the hotel, everyone is still dealing with Steelgate, Catgate. We don't know what to call it, but you know what we're talking about. Lip gloss gate. Yeah, lip gloss gate. <laughs> I like that. Lip gloss gate. The most controversial lip gloss of all time. <laughs> And Brooklyn and Kat have, like, retreated to their corners. They've found some some confidants to vent to about the situation. Brooklyn tells Katie that what really set her off is that Kat was trying to play the victim and being saying that she was using, like, harsh words and attacking her. She's like, what I said wasn't harsh. And if it is, it's because it's fucking true. And... <laughs> Katie appears to really agree. I don't think anyone is really on Kat's side at this point that we've seen. No. 
but she does have a confidant, Ariel. I feel like Ariel has such a serene energy and is a good listener. And yeah. so, like, everyone feels comfortable yeah. talking to her. Yeah. I would be willing to be Kat's confidant at this point in the capacity that Ariel is, which is, like, I don't think Absolutely. you're a monster, but, like, let's talk about what happened. And, and maybe you can kind of concede that you didn't handle things the best. Yeah, I actually think that Ariel handled this really well. Um, Kat is complaining. She's like, you know, it's just hard to hear my actions described with such harsh terminology. And Ariel's like, look, I I get where you're coming from. Doesn't make you a bad person. But what you did rubbed people the wrong way. And when you had your one-on-one, no one stole him. Yeah. And Kat says, super annoyed. She's like, it's not about the one-on-one on on the dates. That's what I keep trying to say. And I'm like, yeah, for you, Kat. For you, it's not about that. But perhaps for charity, it was. It it might be. (laughs) And maybe for Ariel, who hasn't had a one-on-one yet, that's a really annoying thing to hear, that it's not even about the one-on-one and the dates. Because it was actually a really big deal for you to get that. And not everyone has had that one-on-one time with him. It's just like, it's so solipsistic. It's like everything that matters is what matters to Kat. And everything that doesn't matter to Kat just doesn't matter. And why can't everyone see that? Like, they're being so obtuse. Also, like, Kat could have nipped this in the bud so easily. She could have said, you know what? You guys are right. That's not how I saw it. But I can see why you're upset. I'm going to apologize to Charity when she comes back from the date. Right. Well, that's the thing. You know, I, I, I was, I was like, in my head because of COVID. We hadn't seen him for a while. I really didn't mean to step on anyone's toes and I'm going to apologize. The end. That's the thing is that I don't think that it makes you, this show is ridiculous. The rules don't make any sense. Probably producers were encouraging her. Yeah, take your time. You haven't seen Zach forever. I completely get that. I don't think she's a bad person for making this decision. I get that they're all struggling. They all want to spend extra time with Zach because they might be getting engaged to him soon. And that's part of the game too, is to try to get that extra time. Of course, But yeah, if everyone in the house is upset with you, it's so easy to just be like, oh, now that I'm hearing how it made you feel to see me take him away at this moment, I hear you. It wasn't very tactful of me. She can't do that. It's like she hops so quickly to, well, actually, I'm the victim because you criticized me and that made me feel bad. Yeah. And that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter whether she has ever done anything inconsiderate or made anyone feel bad. She was justified in whatever she had to do. That was her decision. But someone saying, oh, the decision you made really upset me. That is victimizing her. That's hurting her. She keeps being like, well, Brooklyn hurt my feelings by criticizing me for hurting Charity's feelings. So isn't that kind of the bigger picture here, the way that Brooklyn hurt my feelings? And again, I think that Ariel handled this really well. I believe we have a clip of the end of their conversation. Everything has shifted right now. Not only are we far I don't along, think respect ever shifts though. Like, okay, but do you understand that like if this was not put in the position in the processor with COVID, like that was probably not something I would do? But that it is what you did. <laughs> like, okay, I, but like, don't you understand I, that like if it weren't for the position of the process of COVID, cat, <laughs> you can't even like, make you're a all in the process. Yeah. That you're all operating from that place. 
Also, just really Ariel out here modeling what it looks like to to kindly and gently hold a friend accountable. Yeah, like take some accountability. Like we can't talk about what you would have done if the situation were different. We're talking about what you actually did. And no one else is acting like it's a free-for-all just because of COVID. And there are ways, look what Katie did. Katie got extra time. Maybe it would upset some of the other women to hear that she did that, but that's on them. She thought of making a care package for Zach and taking it to his door. And I think you have to, at that point, concede, like, that was smart of Katie. Katie did something on her own initiative that made her relationship with Zach stronger. Kat could have done something like that. But instead, Kat took this weird opportunity to take a bite out of Charity's date. And I think it's going to be her downfall, ultimately. I think so, too. It's not a good look for her. The more she doubles down... It's like her whole, I know that there's a lot that can be done in editing and in music to make someone seem more villainous, but the more she doubles down, the more she just has this sour face on and is holding herself in an unlikable way. I just don't like her as much when she is spending all her time trying to to make herself the victim in this conflict. And I think that, as we see later, Zach is starting to feel the same way, even though by the end of the episode, he still does not actually know that any of this has happened. It's still but affecting Zach, his perception of her. Zach feels vibes. He feels and vibes. When and Zach, when Zach starts to feel uncomfortable vibes from someone, Oof. he wants them out of there. And to me, I was like, Kat's gonna win. She still could, but I'm no longer I don't think so. convinced of it at all after this episode. I, I feel like he is saying way stronger things about Katie and Gabby at this point. Yeah, because I think they have just kept going up, and he's starting to get this weird vibe from Kat, and he's like, mm-hmm. uh. um, so we also, back at the at the hotel, see Jess having a girl chat with Gabby, and Jess admits she's feeling really preoccupied about getting a one-on-one. She keeps wondering why she hasn't gotten it yet, it's getting in her head, and it's hard not to wonder why she's the le- like one of the last ones to not get one at this point it's just her ariel and greer who isn't even with the rest of the group at this point and this is the beginning of the foreshadowing that jess is going to completely spin out and gabby helpfully narrates this in her in the moment she's like jess is very sensitive She's struggling. It's just, she's struggling so much that I'm really worried about how she might handle it if she doesn't get a one-on-one this week. And now I'm worried too. Thanks, Gabby. (laughs) And you should. (laughs) And I should be. Back on Charity and Zach's date, they're doing some more traditional see-in-the-town date activities. They're sampling Estonian spirits in the traditional way, which this is something I could not verify was real on Google, but the liquor purveyor convinces them to stand on one foot with their one hand on the head while they take a shot of liquor. <laughs> He's like, this is how we do it in Estonia. And they're like, all right, sure. That seems it real. It turns out it's just it's just how this one guy does it. He's like, I like to fuck with Americans. <laughs> I mean, this deep-rooted historical fair. Estonian tradition. <laughs> I support that. Me too. They both take this shot and completely choke on the liquor, which is apparently very, very peppery. I tried to figure out what kind of liquor it was. Um, I think it might actually be like a pepper schnapps that uh, that they were trying. And 
they both like gag and the liquor guy says you are welcome indeed i truly just want i i would love to have a job as one of these people who makes bachelor contestants do like embarrassing things at tourist traps just to like get a little bit of my own back i'm like oh am i a little sideshow for you great i'm gonna make you choke on this peppery liquor while you're standing on one foot with your hand on your head (laughs) enjoy and yet charity is so delightful that she makes everything look perfect and beautiful i'm like oh just a little little bonding moment for the two of you they're having so much fun and i think that charity has come across as just i mean her whole thing on the show is that she's so understanding she's so supportive she's so kind she makes that comfortable she makes the other women feel like they can come to her with their problems but we do also see that like they can joke around together they can make fun of themselves they can relax and so we see like it doesn't feel awkward it seems very natural it's flowing they're having real conversations. It seems like Charity, it, it felt like she was understandably kind of like clenching all la- last week. Yeah. And then wondering if she's going to get this date. And it's just something released in her. And you're like, this relationship is so much stronger now than it was before. Yeah. It's almost like now they've gone through something together. They had to wait to be <laughs> together. He had to send her the little Big Ben statuette and be like, wait for me, Charity. I'm coming for you. And now they finally get the sweet release of togetherness. They get sweet almonds on the street. They get marzipan from a sweet shop. The vibes are just good. They're having, they're kissing a lot. The camera's swirling around them as they make out on the cobblestones of Tallinn. And Charity is just almost teary. She's like, this is going so well. I'm so happy. And then they, you know, they spiff up. They sit down for the night date in a chandelier-lit room. All these European cities where they're just like, here's a really nice room, and this is where your dinner is going to be. (laughs) It's always ornately decorated. Yeah. And it's time for her to open up with Zach and really get vulnerable. So she brings up her relationship prior to coming on the show, and she says that it was emotionally abusive. Quote, I never felt what it felt like to be seen as a partner or as a good girlfriend. She gets emotional really quickly and starts sort of like weeping and she's apologizing. Zach is like, no, take take your time. This is like the fifth conversation Zach has had on a one-on-one where a woman discloses that she was in like some sort of abusive relationship before. I know it's it's really, really upsetting. I mean, a lot of these women are you know, 25, 26. And the fact that this percentage of them have experienced this is really, really depressing. And of course, as always, I hope that Charity wanted to talk about this with Zach. I mean, the same thing holds every time. Like this is the expectation that they will share this trauma and it can be very painful to expose that in front of the world. And and, you know, basically just to to check a box to give Zach an opportunity to to be empathetic. And I I wonder, as you say that, like how many times this has happened this season, if it's the case that there is like a higher percentage of women on this show or that Zach is choosing on the show who have been through this or if it's just become so much more of an imperative to share. Like, is it really 
has it been the case that a lot of women have been through this, but that they've been able to keep that a little bit more private on the show. But now there's more and more of a pressure and imperative to be like, oh, if I don't share this, that could have been my opportunity to really bond with Zach on this date and I'll be leaving it on the table. I'm really kind of curious about whether it's that dynamic that's shifting or whether it just is happening to be the case with this group of women. Because it is shocking to me, like how many of them have been talking about this. I think it's probably a confluence of things. You know, like you said, the pressure to share some sort of trauma experience, although I don't actually think that that's new. It's not Um, new. I also think, I think that also, I, I don't necessarily think that more women have experienced this now, but I do think that the culture has shifted in a way where we have easier access to language to kind mm-hmm. of define a type of manipulation or abuse that used to feel much more kind of amorphous and maybe would not have occurred to someone to categorize in that way or like speak about as a discrete experience. Um, and so I think that it's probably kind of a combination of all of those things. Yeah, that's a good point that maybe there's just more language that's more available to more women for identifying that and talking about it. Um, So she goes on to explain that there was a lot of infidelity in the relationship with someone that she knew also. Awful. Just awful. He, Zach is like holding her hand and encouraging her. And she says that it became this vicious cycle of manipulation. She hid it even from her parents, although she's very close to them. And she ends by saying that she's grateful she went through it. It made her who she is today. And Zach tells her that he's so happy she decided to make things better for herself and that she was able to learn from the pain she went through. And he also sort of tries to relate to this. He's like, you know, I also lost myself in my previous relationship. At one point, and he I said wasn't this before. Even, yeah. He says at one point, I wasn't even sure what my favorite music was. At first, I thought he was talking about Rachel. And then he started no, talking about his so. favorite music. And I was like, yeah, that's not about Rachel, clearly. It was no, no, like no, no. A real I think he's talking about a, a, an actual yeah. on TV relationship. He's talked about like relationships that did not serve him in the past. And I think this was like the most specific detail that he's given yeah. about it. Um, he's like, I neglected myself. I only did what I thought someone else would want. And Charity seems really seen by this conversation. Like, I think there was something almost relieving to her about having her experience, at least pieces of it, kind of mirrored back by Zach. Yeah, there there is. I, I do kind of appreciate it in these moments when he's able to both, like, individually validate her experience and also find something of himself to share because it just feels more real to me. It feels more like a real connection and mutual disclosure is like how I think real relationships work and should work. And it's about how you build mutual intimacy. And he, he did it without to me, like making it about all about himself. I agree. Um, And he made her feel really comforted and she's, she's just relieved by how well it went. And then Zach tells her that she's pretty awesome. I think awesome is the new amazing. Yeah. He's like, I know that I shouldn't say amazing 20 times. What about awesome? That seems it seems more original. I just love it. There's something about it that makes me feel like they're like middle schoolers or something. It's like, you're awesome. You're just so awesome. I bet they kind of feel that way. Yeah. 
<laughs> they kiss. And in his in the moment, he says he was caught off guard to learn how she was treated. He says, are you kidding me? Look at her. She's literally the person that can make everyone in a room feel good and happy and comfortable. It feels good with her. And I liked this because that is the person that we see Charity is. And I like that he can identify something specific about her as a person. That sometimes on these dates, you know, they, they're they like, oh, I love XYZ about this person. And you're just like, I guess. <laughs> Or they can't even, they're just like, oh, she's just great. And I like that he is like identifying something that clearly is very specific to charity and that makes her special and that he appreciates. And he offers her the rose. They make out, they drive away in the carriage. They make out some more under a blanket. It's just the perfect date to me. I think I would rather have this one than the tea party date. See, I, okay. If we're talking about, like, <laughs> dates that lead to a good, solid, intimate relationship, right. sure, no. yes, this one. If we're talking about <laughs> dates on The Bachelor where the likelihood is very high that yeah. I will not end up with this guy, then, like, give me the free stuff. Yeah, if we're talking about dates that lead to me having Jimmy Choose, then, then exactly. of course. Um, uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with the rest of the episode. Can you keep up? Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating 
mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And we are back. And at the hotel, the date card arrives for the group date. Brooklyn, Katie, Kat, Gabby, Allie, Jess. True love feels like magic. This means that Ariel will be getting the one-on-one and poor Jess is just... She breaks down. Melting down. Yeah. Yeah. She can't hold it back. She can't even get up and walk away from the group. She starts, like, sobbing into her knees on the couch. She's like, does being the last one say something? Like, I'm scared. It's such a weird position because everyone has to be like, you're not the only one. It doesn't mean anything. It's totally fine. And you're like, we all know, including Jess, that this means she's not making it to hometowns. They've reached the point where... You kind of can't be happy for someone else to get that date, even if you support them and want them to have a great experience, because there's one date left before your chances of winning fall off a cliff and disappear. <laughs> like, right. you just can't. She could still make it to hometowns. That happens occasionally. But if you make it to hometowns without a date, you're definitely not making it to final three. Like, your first date is meeting the family? That's ludicrous. Yeah, it, it feels ridiculous. Yeah. Which is why it barely happens that if you, like, yeah. that he would choose to meet your family if you haven't gone on an- another date. If your first one-on-one is, like, episode seven, that's the point where The Bachelor has to say something like, you're so great, but I just don't think we have enough time to catch up to my other connections. Also, episode seven is usually when people start getting their second one-on-one and someone ends up getting sent home on the one-on-one because, like, their relationship has not progressed enough and being on this one-on-one has made him realize that. 100%. It's not looking good for Jess. It's really not looking good for Jess. And poor Jess knows. She knows. We also see Charity catching everyone up about her date and she's like, yeah, it was a really good day. I tried to block out some things before, but the date was special. (laughs) There's this tense pause. It is abundantly clear to everyone that she is referring to Kat, including Kat, because Kat pipes up and is like, okay, I'll be honest with you. Yesterday was a lot, and I don't want to have this conversation right before the group date. Girl. (laughs) Like, come on. Do you see? Brooklyn will not stand for this. She's like, Brooklyn does see. (laughs) Brooklyn sees. She's like, oh, you don't want to ruin the group date? You don't want to have this conversation before it ruins your time, like charities? And Kat's like, ew, why are you being so aggressive? (laughs) And Brooklyn says, because you have your head in your ass. (laughs) This is escalating fast. Brooklyn, here's the thing. She makes some good, solid points in this episode. (laughs) She also does not know how to reel it in and just like... Be like, I've done my part. I need to step back now. Yeah. It's hard to say the point when she crosses over to maybe she should have let it lie. At this point, I was still like, you know what, Brooklyn? You're right, and you should say it. 
Brooklyn points out, she's like, look, you kissed Zach before the one-on-one with Charity. And Kat's like, we're all dating him. And Brooklyn says, I know, but that's tacky. <laughs> she's she really just like, is your judgmental aunt. She's just like, <laughs> mm, yeah, you can do that, but not a good look. Not a good look for you. It's so funny to me because you could take Kat refusing to concede and apologize as like, all right, well, I said my part and I made my position clear and I'm just going to step back now. And instead, Kat is clearly infuriated that she can't get Kat to admit she's wrong. And so she's just like a dog with a bone. Like, she's just like, I will attack this until I get the answer that I want. (laughs) And it is not coming. Kat will not admit that she's wrong. She will not. Everyone's doubling down. Kat's like, look, we, I know this is like, awkward but we don't have to like intentionally do things to hurt each other's feelings and brooklyn says hurt your feelings if the shoe fits lace that bitch up which i was like i feel like this is more folksy than actually fitting into the conversation (laughs) that we're having i guess she's saying like you are tacky so it's not hurting your feelings to say it um she just wanted to pull out that line (laughs) she's like this is fun she's Um, fired up yeah i (laughs) this just gets so out of hand so fast in her in the moment brooklyn is like when she took zach away before charity's date i just wanted to box her ears (laughs) again judgmental and (laughs) who is boxing what year are we in she's like charity was visibly upset it hurt me too and i know there's gonna be lots of walking on eggshells but not me i'm not walking on no eggshells and like brooklyn we know know. we're aware (laughs) no one would ever worry about you walking on eggshells in her in the moment kat says that brooklyn hurt her feelings by coming for her character she's she says i wasn't taking charity's moment i was having my moment we're all allowed to have our own moment and i'm like yes you you are, and you had one. It was your one-on-one date, and it seemed like a really wonderful day. And no one stole Zach during any of it. <laughs> Lord. So she's worried the group date will be uncomfortable. And yes, it is probably going to be uncomfortable. And she's clearly willing to accept that because she could have tried to smooth things over. And, she, she and yet didn't. she's not really willing to accept it. Yeah. That's the weird thing, is she keeps doubling down and then being like, I continue to not consent to receiving consequences. Yeah. So she's setting a firm boundary that she will neither apologize nor receive (laughs) social consequences for pissing everyone off. And you have to respect that. (laughs) Do I? (laughs) She's setting a boundary of like, you must respect my actions. And I do not. I'm setting a boundary that I won't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Zach meets the group date gang in the woods, and they all together approach a woman in a fur vest and purple velvet who is pacing around a fire outside a cabin, pounding a drum rhythmically. And this woman is Haley, an Estonian witch with 20 years under her belt. And she explains that she uses witchcraft to heal and help people find love. I feel like all the women were about to, like, pull out their crosses and be, like, devil worshiper. The reaction to this was so Christian. This was, like, taking your Christian <laughs> women's group to, like, a ceremony of the occult. They're all like, oh, my God, witches. She says she uses her power to heal, but, like, 
I don't know about that. It's witches. <laughs> she says that she's not going to hurt me with her devil worship, but... You're like, this is how the second satanic panic starts. <laughs> it's bananas, because this is one of the most standard issue international bachelor dates. And I have yeah, my own some issues Some sort with of it. spiritual ceremony. Right. I have my own issues with it because it is always this weird, like, fetishizing thing of, like, look at this traditional culture and how they do traditional magic ceremonies. And it's very um, kind of <laughs> rude, <laughs> in my opinion. But these are all scholars of The Bachelor, as we often discuss. This is one of the dates that just will happen. And they are all acting like they're going to be murdered in some sort of witchcraft ceremony. I mean, they might go to hell because of this, Claire. So consider that. <laughs> they might. Yeah, it's true. Ultimately, they they seem to get into it when they realize that part of this ceremony involves holding candles and staring into Zach's eyes. Yeah. They're like... What can be bad about that? Does God have any problem with me staring into Zach's eyes for the purpose of heterosexual marriage? I don't think so. <laughs> they also, they start by linking hands around the fire for a spell to eliminate negative energy. And Kat is like, thank God, this is what I need to get everyone off my back. Soon everyone will forget what I did because we did a chant to eliminate negative energy. <laughs> this does not work. No. Haley also takes out a bundle of sage so that Zach can smudge them. The tension is still palpable. Brooklyn is side-eyeing Kat at every opportunity. And the editors are really helping us out with some ominous, ominous plonking music. So much imminent danger in this episode. And I know because of the music cues. The vibes are like yellow jackets. Winter is coming. They're outside this rustic cabin around the fire. And you can just tell that someone is going to get murdered. Yeah, you're like, someone's <laughs> going to leave Cat out in the cold. And she's going to freeze overnight. <laughs> yeah. It's all supposed to be good vibes and just women making it work together. But you throw a man in the mix and someone is freezing to death under a blanket of snow. <laughs> And in her in the moment, Brooklyn says, you can definitely tell there's little tension. She knows what she did was wrong. There is not enough sage in the world to cleanse Kat. She could sage herself. Still wouldn't help. Hilarious. And also, I'm like, what Kat did was so inconsiderate, and it's annoying that she's being a victim about it. But it's also hysterical to me that in the world of the show, this is such a high crime that it's like, she will never be clean. <laughs> this is actually a mortal sin. There is nothing yeah, she can do to atone for this. the most egregious thing you could ever do to another person. How dare you? Go She's to jail. Tainted. Go to jail immediately. Jail for a thousand years. Yeah. And then they do take turns staring at Zach through a candle flame in order to nurture their love. And all of the women with one-on-ones in, under their belts seem to feel like this is like a uniquely profound bonding experience. Looks kind of awkward to me. Also, Zach is so much taller than me. That I would be craning my neck. No, they all were, though. That's the thing. They had to hold the candle kind of, like, halfway between them. And Zach is, like, staring down. And they're staring up because their height differential is so extreme. This is also a problem for the short women because that means their candles are much more exposed to the elements, as Jess quickly learns. Yeah, while Jess is having her turn, the wind gusts and blows out the candle. And Haley's just like, oops, sorry, guess you have to stop doing the ceremony if your yeah, turn's over. They're fucking with Jess so hard. I mean, this was, this was so 
I felt like I was watching Encanto. It was like, if the magical candle is against me, then who can be for me? It's over. Jess is just, is just so on the verge of a breakdown at this point that any little thing, any little thing was going to have her completely melt down. I actually find Jess to be kind of relatable to me. Like, I see my early 20s dating self in her so much. Just yeah. the palpable anxiety coursing through every interaction, especially when it's like dawning on you that the guy doesn't really like you that much. Yeah. And you're just like, but if there was a sign, then maybe it would... That, maybe it would fix it. Maybe that would fix it. But then there's no sign. And you're like, fuck. Like, how am I supposed to hold it together through the cocktail party? And she does not. Spoiler alert. So... For the night date, they gather again in just an elegant room. And Jess tells the group that as the only one without a one-on-one, she's really feeling the weight of that night and the conversation that she's going to have. She shares with them that she was having an anxiety attack, but she's feeling better now. She doesn't seem like she's feeling very much better. She still seems as though she is very much on the verge of tears. Her voice is quivering she looks very shaky i mean if you just came out of an anxiety attack how great can you really be feeling yeah you're like i guess better than in the middle of the anxiety (laughs) attack but not really in the mood to like be so sexy fun and cool with your new boyfriend yeah (laughs) and the women assure her they're like oh you can't control how you feel you just have to feel your feelings i feel like all of these women are like really big sistering Jess. Yeah. They're like, the thing about feelings is it's okay to have a big feeling. It's not okay to shout and scream and throw a tantrum, but it's okay to feel a big feeling. Everyone (laughs) has big feelings. And they're trying to like build her up a little bit because it's clear that they're like, this is not a good place for her to be in going into this. Yeah. Gabby especially is just like very worried. Yeah. You know, she says, yeah, this is just the wrong headspace for Jess. Like, this is not going to go well. She knows. Gabby has just been, like, monitoring Jess and being like, she's going to blow it any minute. (laughs) Like, when's it going to come? Zach joins the group and (laughs) says, so, a date about witchcraft could go lots of different ways, but we all made the absolute most of it. Cheers to us. Like... He's like, we didn't do ritual satanic murder, so good for us. We went for it. We made it through, and he grabs Katie first. They have a very positive conversation. They're obsessed with each other. Yeah. That's how I feel every time I see the two of them together. It's interesting because he, they, she had such an early date, and he clearly liked her so much. But that is a risky position. Because then you go a long time without another date. You can easily get in your head. Your connection falls off. The lead starts to feel like there isn't momentum with you anymore. And she has, like, powered through that slump. She's powered through it. And also, I think what's telling to me is that Zach keeps going out of his way to make sure she knows that he feels good about them. Yeah. And she's doing, like, they're both investing a lot of effort 
to be like, I'm still excited to see you. I still feel really good about you. She's like, I feel like a kid with you. I'm just always smiling at you like an idiot. And he's like, yeah, I've noticed you avoid my eye contact at rose ceremonies. And I'm like really trying to look at you and you won't do it. And she's like, yeah, I just, it's so awkward. Like I can't even look because I'll just look like an idiot. And they make out. Gabby is next. She has her hair slicked back in a bun. And I thought Zach, it looked great. Such a good boyfriend is like taking notice of her style choices. He's like, oh, a different hairstyle. It's different, and I dig I, it. I dig <laughs> you it. Look, you look good, girl. <laughs> and he tells her she's one of the connections he feels like most good about, and that she gives him butterflies. Okay, so she's going to hometowns. <laughs> yeah, you really see this group solidifying of like. Katie, Gabby, Brooklyn, Charity, and like Kata now, like on the bubble. Like, is she gonna make it to hometowns or not? Like, I really thought yeah, she was part of that inner core. I don't core. know. I, I feel pretty certain about Gabby, Katie, and Charity. And then I think the fourth slot is kind of up for grabs. Yeah. I'm like, after what happens later, I think Ariel could bump Brooklyn. Like, I agree. But Gabby and Zach are are really flying at this point. He tells her, I know you're a cuddler, but I want to kiss the hell out of you. And they make <laughs> out. Now, every time he's going to kiss her, he has to be like, I'm sorry about this. I know you don't like to kiss, but I am going to take my kiss now that I deserve. <sighs> so while all these good vibes are happening, Jess is really stealing herself for a big oh, conversation. Jess. And she's just so so in her head and it's the worst thing when you're in your head and you know you're in your head so you're beating yourself up for being in your head Mm -hmm. but then you're still bad vibes (laughs) like it's just a disaster yeah zach ultimately grabs her for time it seems like he's like grabbing each woman this is the point where each woman i noticed something that i feel like we have to talk about which is that zach is wearing a suit and underneath the suit he is wearing what appears to be an untuck it. It is like a shirt, a button-down shirt that is fully untucked. And it's like at a short enough length that it seems like it's designed to be worn untucked. But why would you wear that with a suit? What's going on here? I don't know. I didn't even notice this, but you did. Like the you can see the hem of the shirt under his suit jacket as he it leads her. It is a little her. weird. <laughs> I will say on the whole, I think that Zach's styling has been good. So I think it actually speaks to that, that you notice when something's a little off. I guess. I mean, I guess you the best styling for the men is often just when you don't notice what they're wearing. Exactly. I'm not like every there week, are, like another like blazer hoodie combination. Yeah, the blazer hoodie stuff was, that was appalling. But there were a couple moments this episode where I took note of what Zach was wearing, not in a good way. So... <laughs> Jess is freaking out. She knows that she's got to stop freaking out, but she also clearly wants to talk about it. Zach is just like, this is great. I'm so intrigued by Jess. I want to see more of her, like, getting some time with one of my seven girlfriends. And he opens with, what a date, huh? Witches? (laughs) So crazy. At this point, you're like, he's been having so many conversations. He's like really phoning in the (laughs) opener. He's like, they'll take it from here. Yeah, that's she probably has something to say to me. (laughs) And he asks her how she's feeling after the week interruption. And she admits, like, it's hard. Um, you know, 
she's been getting knocked down and for a, a, a lot and like waiting and waiting for that one-on-one to open up more. And it's hard to like stay positive. And Zach says, oh, that's news to me. Like, good for me to know. And he's like, I can fix this. I've felt something since night one with you. And we have time to get to know each other. So that shouldn't be a factor. I'm like, well, Zach, you're wrong. Like, you are running out of you time don't. to get to you know each other. You don't have time. It's, it boggles my mind that, he, like, it is his job to convince the women who aren't going to get one-on-ones ever and are not actually in the competition but don't know it. It's his job to convince them that they are in the competition, right? To lead the group of women along as long as possible so that he can send them home at the correct times. But I think that's part of the game at this point. It's that, like, the women know. Right. You're not, you don't, you no longer have women who can be convinced. So it's really like, can they hack it long enough to be like, well, I should just maximize my time on the show regardless of whether I actually have any chance with this person. And he's just trying to do this wide-eyed thing that's like, well, why, why would that be an issue? Like, we have plenty of time to get to know each other. And it's like, Zach, you obviously don't. Like, no woman who hasn't gotten a date by this week, a one-on-one date, has ever won. Like, she knows what this indicates. She knows it indicates that she is not a priority. And she knows that it means she's not going to win. And you can try to just confidently tell her that a bunch of times, that it's not a factor. But she knows that if she gets a one-on-one next week, it's just going to end in a conversation about how it's a shame that, but like, you're just never going to be able to catch up because some of those other connections have been building for so much longer. And like, you just ran out of time. I've seen that conversation a million times. These poor women, they wait and wait and wait for that date or the men, they wait and wait, and wait for the date. And then they hear like, we just ran out of time. So weird. It's so weird how that happened. We had this sad amount of time that we all understood. And you simply sense. weren't a priority weren't to me at all. I also think at this point, Jess is doing, again, the thing that I did a lot when I was 23, 24 dating in New York City, which is know that what you're doing maybe isn't tactical, but demand answers until the person acquiesces and tells you they don't like you. Yeah. And you know what? I I think that's fine, honestly, especially in this setting. Once you know yeah, that I agree. it's over, I think it is what's fine. the point of being tactical? Like, there's this expectation that we should all just be terminal cool girls to the point that we never address the obvious fact that a relationship is doomed because that would make us look clingy and desperate. And it's like, so then what? You stay in this doomed relationship for another six months, or in this case, another week. Another week. And to, I no, think it's, it's fine really to push like, it to the point where you're like, let's admit what's going on here. Oh, I of course I think it's fine. As I said, I've done this multiple times. Yeah. It's not always the thing that that maybe in the moment leaves you feeling the best, yeah. but it does it does serve a purpose. And I think even more so in in this kind of situation where it's like, if it is more emotionally damaging to be staying in this when you and like feeling like no one will tell you the truth. Mm. If that is more emotionally damaging than the upside of maybe staying another week and like getting some more followers, then yeah, you should kind of force a break. And I have to admit, and I think it, I don't think she would have stayed another week because 
who would have gone home instead of her? Like, I think everyone he has left is someone he feels, by the end of this episode, is someone he feels strongly about. Like, if Greer had not had COVID. Possibly Greer. I could have thought... I could have seen Greer go home. It's possible that they could have spun that as like, it's impossible for Greer to come back because she's missed too much time with Zach. That's the only other way you could see potentially Jess staying. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think in that sense, like she's, she's doing the, she's saying the obvious thing. And the only reason it feels off is because it is off in the world of the show. Yeah. Right. Like we, like there is an agreement that like the lead has to bring people along that they're not seriously going, thinking about marrying. Yeah, that's how it works. And he wants to get to send them home at rose ceremonies, like under his own, of course, like in every season, as the show goes on, this becomes more and more of an issue that more and more people know the structure of the show. They know what it means when certain things aren't said to them or when they don't get certain dates and they want to confront the lead and be like, this is all a lie. And then the lead wants to be like, it's not. Just stay a little bit longer so I can send you home at the <laughs> at the appropriate time. And I am sympathetic to the lead because that's their yeah. job to make that happen. And it's it's uncomfortable to have that control taken from you by the contestants. But Well, that's why I actually think that this interaction is interesting mm-hmm. because what we're seeing is uh, Jess's emotional needs bumping up against the stated structure of the show. And we've seen this happen a handful of times in Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons. And it is, it's really sticky territory. You're like, no one is exactly wrong here. But yeah, Jess is, Jess is reading the room. Yeah. And Zach is like, it's my job to tell you not to read the room. Yeah, so it it actually is, and I'd say this without wanting to be, like, even critical of Zach because it's his job, job. as we said. It's sort of gaslighting. Like, he's like, don't believe your own eyes. Don't believe your own knowledge of this situation. Believe the words I'm saying. Everything is fine. You're imagining it. it. It just is, yeah, and this isn't actually a dig at Zach. It's just that every lead has to to right. an extent, fake it. Like, leads have said this. They have to fake their feelings. They have to convince people they know that there aren't serious contenders to keep along in the process. Like, that is literally part of their managerial yeah. skills this is in the role of Bachelor or Bachelorette. The show gaslights contestants, and that's like, Zach is delegated into that role right now, which is like, convince her that everything's fine, even though the history of the show, like common sense, everything dictates that she's right. You're telling her to ignore that because that's what the show needs. Or, you know, maybe the show even benefits from this particular meltdown. I'm sure they've been encouraging it. But (laughs) perpetuating this idea that it's a free and open field until the finale, (laughs) basically, is a fiction that the show depends on. And so just keeps pushing this. Like, I think that Zach is accepting of her bringing it up so that he can reassure her, but she's not letting it go. She's like, the clock is ticking. I don't know how to show you who I am organically in these little moments that I get. It's hard. And it's, I'm, it's just hard to be the last one. And he says, don't see it as the last one. It's not like that. Since night one, I had this confidence with you. 
And she's like, yeah, but like, you know, I'm in this place where I keep showing up. I keep trying to show you who I am, wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm making a huge effort, but I really thought that I would get a chance to really open up and be vulnerable on a one-on-one. This starts to annoy Zach he's at getting this annoyed. point. He's like, he's like, there's not a rule. Like you could open up. I think his point is like, you could open up now. Yeah. And her point is, these aren't conditions that are built for me to open up. Yeah. And he's annoyed that she's thinking of it as a process where there yeah. is a designated space for relationship building that is sort of like a prize. He's like, you're just like obsessed with getting this one-on-one. Like, I don't want you to think of it in procedural terms like this. I want you to be romantic about it and like spontaneous. (laughs) And I think we have a clip of the next part of their conversation. Okay, were women vulnerable with you before or after a one-on-one? What, what, the one-on-one? Because a one-on-one is a whole day together. You keep bringing up like, it's about a one-on-one and I'm... I'm feeling so confident about us. And then it's about a one-on-one? What am I missing? (laughs) He's missing how the show works, Zach. He is. Like, it's infuriating, even though I understand why this is his job here. Like, it's how the show works. She knows it's too late. And I think that in the past, we would see more women open up more in these cocktail hours if it was taking too they, long to get a one-on-one. Yes, yes. And I think that more and more people are hesitant to do that because, like, if the one-on-one isn't coming, then what is the opening up even for? Like, and, and also, if you get a one-on-one after you've already shared the thing, then it's like, what trauma will I ex- expose on the one-on-one? Right. I feel like it must feel a little bit demeaning to have to share your trauma in a five-minute conversation on a group date. Or you're like, someone's going to, like, come interrupt this. Right. In the middle of me talking about, like, my parents' death or, like, yeah. my my traumatic relationship, like, abusive relationship. Like, I I understand why, on the other hand, he feels like, well, there are these opportunities we have to talk. You could make an opportunity for us to share something that you want to share about yourself. And you're just waiting to get to know me until this designated moment. Yeah, I I see why he would be annoyed. And I do think also Jess, like, she is young. And she reads young. And I think that there is, she is less comfortable kind of just, like, jumping in and expressing who she is and, like, jumping into a relationship like this. Understandably, it's awkward. But also... She has she has been kind of holding back this whole time. Yeah. And ugh, but it's I don't hard know. Because she clearly also wants to be chased. And there is this element of like, if you wanted to get to know me, wouldn't you prioritize putting she's, me in a setting where all, I would be comfortable opening up? She's watched all of the TikToks saying yeah. if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. I mean, I think that like typically when someone makes an effort to skirt the restrictions of not getting a one-on-one, you know, when they really go out of their way to open up instead on a group date, et cetera, they get further, but they're probably not going to win because if, 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 he, if wanted he wanted to take to, you on a would. one-on-one, he would. <laughs> he yeah. Would. Yeah. There is, there is absolutely truth. There's absolutely truth in that. Yeah. And I think that at this point, Zach and Jess start to realize that they're at an impasse. Yeah. Like, this is not going to be resolved. And he also knows that he's not taking her to hometown. So, like, what are they doing? Yeah. 
It's clearly not like, like he was like, I was actually saving the perfect week seven date for you because you're the one and I'm going to fight for you tooth and nail. He's like, okay. So I've been telling her I'm confident and that this is going to work out and she's not buying it. So plan B, break let's, up. let's break up. He's like, to be honest, there is a disconnect here. I feel unsure, nervous, and not that confident. <laughs> it's quite a shift from 30 seconds ago. And Jess nods and says she told him from the start she's not fighting for someone. She wants someone to fight for her. I'm not going to beg for you. I'm not doing that. And he silently gets up and walks her outside. Zach does seem genuinely shaken, though, by this whole interaction. Yeah, I think that I wonder if Zach is truly interpreting this as like, I thought that this woman and I had this great connection and actually she just was like obsessed with getting a one-on-one. Which I think is kind of a wild interpretation, but but I, he does have this like extreme fear of people not seeing him as a real partner a and just seeing this human. as a process yeah. that they're going through. Yeah, and, and I, so I think when people bump up against that, it just like triggers a lot of anxieties in him. Yeah, about that and about what being looking for love in a show setting is, which like I get that too. Am I not uh, worth waiting but, for? Am I not worth it? Jess. I also wondered if he was just feeling the instability of the process in general. Yeah. And like, wait, are there women stewing over things and feeling really uncomfortable and yeah. on the verge of breaking down and wanting to leave? And I don't even know. Someone could just leave at any time. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, my mind is going a million miles an hour. I'm at a loss. This is literally the last thing I could have expected with Jess. We were just butting heads. We weren't going to get to a better place. He's left teary as he puts her in the car. He's like, I was not expecting that. Jess, meanwhile, is sobbing in the limo. And she gives what I think is one of the most (laughs) on-point exit speeches we've seen in a while. We have a clip. Like, it's the craziest thing that I'm upset that I'm the last one. What the If it's someone I want to marry, wouldn't I want to be chosen right away? Wouldn't I want to feel like he wants to take me on a date? So for him to be shocked that I'm, like, hurt is crazy to me. I kind of agree. I mean, like... Yeah. Like, it's not... When you put it like that, I get it. You know? Like, it's not crazy to want to be taken on a date by a person that you are now being told by producers could be your fiancé in a matter of weeks, and you've not been on one yeah. date. I feel like, I'm sorry, we've hit the tipping point <laughs> past which you can't really legitimately be like, he was just saving the perfect date for me. Like, this is the point at which you're an afterthought. And no one wants to be an afterthought with their partner, of course. Right, exactly. And, like, I, I would put money on the fact that Greer lasts like one iota of a second after being getting out of quarantine because it's just yeah at a certain point you're no longer a contender yeah and and it must be very hard to be the women or or the men on the bachelorette to be in that sort of middle position because there are always people who are still going to be there when it's down to only a few people but who yeah. are never going to really get a serious chance. Yeah. It really brings me back in a way to the first season of The Bachelor 
when everything was so new and confusing. And you would see contestants be like, well, I wouldn't tolerate this in a real relationship. Like, why would I tolerate it here? Like, if he were really going to be my husband, X, Y, Z. And I think that over the years, they've they've found ways to use the structure to kind of obscure that and to Mm -hmm. convince contestants that, like, none of this really has any bearing on... Uh, you know, how he would be as your partner. Like, none of this has any relationship to what dating would be like in the real world because you're just following this procedure and everything will shake out at the end. Don't think too hard about it. But then it started to come back around to where people are like, well, we know what the structure is obscuring now because it's become clear over time how it right, shakes we, we out. We almost ha- have too much information now. Like, yeah. we know exactly what all of these things mean. And I'm not that stupid. You can't tell me that it means something else because yeah. I know. yeah. Uh, you can't tell me I'm going to just be the first woman who doesn't get a one-on-one until week seven who has a beautiful love story and lifelong marriage <laughs> from this show. So Zach returns to the group and tells them that he and Jess had to part ways. And it was shocking, but they both knew that it was what was best. He says a rose won't be given out, but it's no dig against any of them. He's just too upset. And so he leaves all the women pretty shaken up and tearful, especially Kat. They are like, well, another rose left on the table. Another another wrench thrown in our emotional journey. So the next day, a windmill, a horse, sun dappling the leaves. Zach is wandering alone in the woods, contemplating what just happened with Jess, his possible future wife now on a plane back to america at least he has another hot babe rolling up in a minivan to hang out with him it's ariel here for her date ariel is truly the perfect choice to turn that frown (laughs) upside down i love ariel i have such a crush on her i don't know i'm like do i have a crush on her do i want to be her yeah both of these things much like zach i feel like i really needed a one-on-one to like get to know ariel a little better because she is so composed and so i was excited for this she is wearing a leather trench and she's ready to party he tells her we are in the estonian countryside and she says wow i thought we were in new jersey this made me laugh i really enjoyed that Gotta love a little New Jersey humor. You need someone sometimes to just puncture the narration, the super clunky yeah, narration. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no shit. We're in the Estonian countryside. <laughs> they are headed to a sauna for a spa day where they they start with a snack platter. And Zach says, Wow, nothing like ice cold charcuterie. <laughs> is he being a charcuterie snob right now? It's like everyone knows the ideal temperature for charcuterie is roughly room temperature. You know what? I appreciated it because it's so clear that any food that they are given on camera is like not food that's really edible, nor is it supposed to be. (laughs) There are things that are far more inedible than ice cold charcuterie, I have to say. That's absolutely true. The spa lady, Laura, explains that the sauna is sacred and must be entered naked. So naturally, they don't enter it naked. And it's fine. Because that would be weird to force them <laughs> to be nude on camera. They just tried it. They were like, are you sure? It's sacred. So you got to do it nude, I think. They're like, no, thank you. And 
So they both wear bathing suits. They lie back on furs while Lara tries to guide them in a meditation. And very quickly, they just start ignoring her. (laughs) She's like, close your eyes and let the sounds wash over you. And they just start like flirting and completely ignoring her. And you can see her kind of looking at the camera like... (laughs) Should I am I should I leave or supposed to still be here? Should I still like, be leading the meditation even though they're just loudly talking through it? <laughs> they're like comparing how ugly their hands and feet are because Ariel's theory is that the uglier they are, the more attractive you are. And Zach just loves this. They're just laughing and having a great time. And Laura's like, why? Okay. I regret this. I regret doing this. And then, they have to do the Gabby and Johnny thing of, like, thwacking each other with branches. Yeah, this has become, like, a Bachelor cliche now, doing a, yeah. a spa day where you just whack each other with branches. Actually, this is another Bachelor cliche date, is the goofy spa. Like, this is a <laughs> spa day, but it's weird. <laughs> Spas are hilarious in the world of The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what if it's a spa, but everything is made of milk, or everyone is being wacky, and... <laughs> hitting each other with branches. <laughs> and Ariel admits in her in the moment that she sometimes uses humor to block how she really feels. And she says this like it's a bad thing, but I think it's why she's such a breath of fresh air on this show. <laughs> yeah, like we needed we needed some of that. People so on thank show, you, Ariel. People on the show are not blocking how they really feel enough because feelings <laughs> are important, but they're also kind of boring. And I think that it is socially valuable for people to learn how to talk about other stuff. I like humor. <laughs> Give me some fun. I say this every week. I'm like, I want fun. <laughs> Ariel and Zach then enter the nude sauna, and shortly thereafter, so do two nude Estonians. I I was really curious. Like, did they hire two Estonian actors, and they were like, you're going to just follow our lead Presumably. Around? I mean, this is how they do It's basically like all of the classic, like, international date, like, cute older couple who gives them advice, except nude. And I assume all those people are like, they're like, they have speaking parts on the show. They must be more intensely produced than just being like, let's put them in the nude spa and see who wanders in. Right? Like, either they're actors that they hired or they, like, recruited some people and were like, if you're cool with this, sign a release. Like, we'll we'll give you some pointers on how the conversation yeah. is going to go. I would be curious to know more detail. This was... <laughs> I was very torn about this segment because, listen... I don't think that people should have nudity forced on them without their consent. And that's what these dates sort of depend on. It's like, get naked. No, you don't want to get naked. At least be around naked people. Discomfort with it. But also, I felt a little uncomfortable with how, like, kind of childish they were being about it. Especially, like, Zach was like, oh my god, help. I'm feeling absolutely traumatized. And I'm like, they're not going to, like, hurt you. They're, like, naked people. Like who are just living their lives but in a nude But that's kind of spa. the problem. That's one of the problems with forcing nudity on people who are not comfortable they're and gonna, didn't know yeah, it was they're coming and are not in a childish way. Yeah, yeah no, then, they're totally react, then it's like those people become like objects of like humor and deflection. It just gets, it gets weird. Yeah. And it just, you feel weird about the whole thing. The show set this up in order to create this dynamic. Exactly. And they wanted these two people to they wanted everyone to feel uncomfortable and it shows yeah 
it just was funny. I was like, Zach, didn't you play football? Like, this seems like a pretty basic locker room situation. Like, it just seemed like a strong reaction. Ariel is like apologizing to her mom and dad. And I'm like, for what? You weren't naked. Just for, <laughs> I, like, I'm sorry, mom and dad, that I was naked in the presence of, uh, that I was in the presence of some naked people in a sauna. Like, <laughs> I think they'll be okay. Like, they'll survive. <laughs> The the middle-aged uh, couple start offering relationship advice in the buff until Ariel and Zach escape and head to an outdoor hot tub where they have champagne and kiss a little bit until the nude couple joins them in the hot tub and starts kissing as well. This was a little weird. So it was, this part was weirder than the sauna. It's like, we're going to yeah. now, like join you nude and start like hooking up in front of you this was a little bit more like swingers retreat vibes <laughs> yeah yeah it's more like i didn't realize that this was that kind of party vibes you're like everyone put your keys in <laughs> draw <laughs> so they clean up for the quote-unquote night date it is still fully daytime and it becomes clear later that this is because they have compressed the filming schedule and they're going to do the cocktail party and rose ceremony the same night. Yeah, they're like, Ariel, put on your finest black cocktail dress to sit in, like, broad daylight on a yeah, bench. Yeah, it's got to be, like, 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> but they make the most of it. They do. They, I mean, they, they have their, their fancy clothes. They're sitting in the elegant room. They're enjoying. And Zach is like, what if Ariel is my Catherine, as my good friend Sean Yes. The wise words of Sean come into his mind, like the scripture, the book of Sean. Sean, Sean would be had, thrilled to hear that. Sean was visited by a vision about how his journey would go. But then when he encountered Catherine, he suddenly was struck by the knowledge that she had been in front of his face this whole time. And Zach is like, just as it was in the book of Sean, so it could be with me. What if Ariel is my Catherine? She could be the one. What if? What if she is? What if she is indeed? I mean, he's she's get, giving him those best friend vibes. I just can't buy it because I'm like Ariel seems to get along with Zach. I'm sure she finds him attractive, but I'm just like envisioning this like cool New York City marketing. Ariel's executive. never gonna marry Zach. <laughs> Marrying Let's be clear. Zach, like I just can't. I'm sorry, Zach. I don't see it. <sighs> I see Ariel, like, five years from now, I see on Instagram that she's married someone, like, devastatingly cool. I agree. Some, like, tattooed musician. Yeah. It's not going to be Zach. Zach tells Ariel that he was nervous about their connection because she was so well put together that he was, like, impressed, but, like, maybe a little intimidated. He wasn't sure if he was, like, really able to, like, see her as a person. But they've just kept getting stronger over the weeks. And Ariel says that it's hard for her to be vulnerable she says, I'm really good at cutting everything with humor and using humor as a veil. And that she's been in a lot of relationships where she couldn't be herself and stop loving herself. Like, everyone on this season has had this experience. <laughs> relationships are broken out there. Heterosexuality is a curse. And we know it. Zach says that he also is afraid to lose himself in a relationship. And he likes her for her. This, I guess, is Ariel opening up. And... It's interesting because it's more like opening up about opening up. She's like, I often use humor to cover things up, but actually I can't, I have vulnerability inside that I struggle to access. And he's like, wow, 
Yeah. Well, I sort of think that this date is why they like to pressure yeah. people to share very specific trauma because it is harder as an audience to get a grasp of someone's vulnerabilities. Like the trauma dump is a shortcut to that. Yeah. 100%. For the lead and for the audience. And I think because they've cultivated this expectation of a trauma dump that anything short of that feels like nothing. You're just like, so what do I know about you now? Nothing. And that's why I just think it's a bad template. Like there are other ways to open up and get to know people and other conversations you can have. And the only thing we have is either a trauma dump or like a gesture at a trauma dump. (laughs) Like it's so true. It's, it's underwhelming. So I'm left really not feeling like I know her that much better, but Zach does not feel that way. He's like, I Zach know is her now. into her. Yeah. He is like, this date has far exceeded expectations. He offers her the rose. He's like, I love not just your wit and your humor, but your maturity and caring yourself. He says, this journey has been full of surprises and you might be the best surprise yet. What Ariel ends up saying to the camera after was actually the part of this date where I felt like I understood her vulnerability best. Yeah. And we have a clip. I haven't felt this good in a really long time. I'm really happy that he got to see so many sides of me and he got to see the person that I am. And he, if anything, feels more secure in in our situation because I showed him my insecurities. I usually have so much to say, and right now I don't. I'm really tired of being alone. Oh, Ariel. And she says, I've been alone for so long that it almost feels like a comfort. Like she's just I related to to this. Yeah. I related to this. Like as someone who dated people in short stints for many years, but but built this like very full life in, in New York by myself. And then, yeah, probably around my late 20s into early 30s, I was just started getting really tired and feeling that that feeling that Ariel's kind of articulating. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That was that was the piece that made me connect to her the most, almost that yeah. kind of afterthought of just like, I'm 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 tired and I want I want that connection. And I think that sometimes it can feel almost shameful mm-hmm. for women who consider themselves strong and accomplished and want to and like believe that you can have a full life without a male partner it be, it, it sometimes can feel hard to have space to admit that while you don't need that you also want it and i feel like that's a little bit of what we were seeing yeah i was also just really struck by just like how profoundly she seemed to be feeling not just single, but alone. And I also wonder if some of the really brutal stories and deep emotions we've been seeing this season have been sort of impacted by the pandemic and the fact that Mm, people are coming out of this period that was very isolating. And like for people who are in relationships, like domestic abuse spiked, like for people who weren't, it was extremely lonely. And I feel like everything is just a little bit more raw and deeply felt because of how atomized we all became during that time. And also the feeling that we lost time. Yeah. 
And so I think there is also an anxiety of like, well, now I need to grasp for the things that I want because I didn't have access to them. And think my life was sort of on this weird extended pause. And now we're all trying to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. So it's rose ceremony time. The women approach the house two by two, grave faces. This was witchier than the actual witch date. I was like, why is there a ceremonial procession in which it looks like they're like going into the house to like perform some dark magic, summon, I don't know, the spirits, like practical magic style. Yeah, it was like a freeform show about like teens who- Hot witches. Get into witchcraft. Um, So there's ominous music. Is Cat- and that whole drama, is that going to blow up even more? That's hovering over this cocktail hour. Zach mentions that Jess's departure last night was really hard, which is how I was like, oh, this is definitely the same day as Ariel's date. They're trying to catch up on their filming schedule. And this is another fashion moment for Zach. He's wearing like a very brown jacket over like a dark suit and they're indoors. And I was like, is that his suit jacket or like his overcoat? And later I think he's not wearing it. I I think it was just I think it was the overcoat. It was very I wonder if he also came from the outside, like all of them. Yeah. I did really like the brown jacket though. But the women weren't even wearing necessary. The women were in like spaghetti straps out there doing their 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 march their ceremonial march and he's like my suit jacket and shirt sleeves not enough i also have this very brown overcoat maybe he just liked the overcoat Uh, hey and i support him following his dreams his stylistic dreams ali grabs him first he asks if she's feeling okay and she's like yeah i'm often really exhausted but it's been worth it especially when i get to see you they kiss i feel like ali Throughout this episode, I was feeling like she had fallen off. Like he, early on when he's telling Jess, Jesse about how his relationships are going, she was the one person with a one-on-one where I was like, he doesn't even seem that enthused about talking about her. Yeah, I feel like they had an initial spark, but it is stagnated. Yeah. Zach and Gabby try to share bites of Estonian pancakes, which I guess is their thing now to like Lady and the Tramp sweets. (laughs) And it doesn't, seem like an easy thing to lady and the tramp also no. i was like what did you put on those pancakes zach let's zoom in is there mustard on those <laughs> is there or? mustard there our producer talent for science did try zach's favorite delicacy of mustard and syrup on pancakes he was uh, not the impressed. reviews weren't great yeah <laughs> so i stand by i stand by our initial revulsion brooklyn tells zach that he's done a great job navigating this with his heart Zach and Katie tell each other that they dig each other. Everything is just going great. Zach just digs a bunch of the women. He digs He them. likes using the word dig. He's not taking a dig at them, but he does dig them, you know? Back with the group, Charity asks Kat if she could steal her for a second. So they head out to talk. And immediately, Brooklyn is on the case. Like her, she's like head on a swivel. She's like, Am I going to be needed? Probably. (laughs) This is where Brooklyn started to lose me. It was like, girl, you've done your piece. Let Charity take it from here. Brooklyn is like antsy. She's like, I don't think Kat's going to apologize for her stunt. And like, she can't take any accountability. So she 
excuses herself from the group as well and follows Kat and Charity and enters in the middle of Kat telling Charity that she stands by what she did because their time is limited. And this, like, annoyed me. We don't even see Charity and Kat's conversation really at all. I know! I wanted to actually... We've already seen Brooklyn react to this, like, a million times. I actually I wanted to know, know what Charity said to her. Right. And I guess we never will. Brooklyn bursts in and says she's just checking in. And Charity says, yeah, good. And she looks at her, like... The way that Charity was looking at her may, gave me the sense that she did not expect... Brooklyn to be there and did not necessarily want her there, but wasn't like furious. Yeah. But then it's hard to always tell because Charity is so nice. I do think she's still more annoyed with Kat than Brooklyn. And that much is clear. Definitely. Brooklyn turns to Kat and says, I just have a question. Would you have done the same thing if Jess? I was like, where is this going? (laughs) I know. I also was mad that Kat just cut her off and walked away. I was like, what? question is she posing cat just cuts this off she's like look i'm not doing this charity we can talk another time i'm not doing this with you brooklyn she flounces out and yeah charity Ugh. turns to brooklyn and is like why is that a storm i don't get it like why is she storming out and brooklyn says because she knows she's wrong i don't I'm know like, if cat knows she's wrong cat, cat she doesn't know she's wrong i was like cat i get it i get not you you can sense that drama is swirling and you want to remove yourself from it. But don't like still let charity say her piece. Right. This still gives space for charity for the two of you to have a conversation. The appropriate response would be like, Brooklyn, I feel like we've kind of gone in circles around this. Can you just let me have a moment with charity? I really want to hear her out. Yeah. And then if Brooklyn, but I think really, Kat, the more Kat Brooklyn is... pressed to stay in that conversation, the worse she would have looked. Exactly. Because this already is where Brooklyn, de- like, clearly overstepped to me. Like, I, I don't think that it seemed like Charity had asked her to come check in on her. No. And it was not her place to make this conversation about her questions for Kat, her reaction. It was it Charity's opportunity. Kat- had an out and a way to just escape the whole thing. And I yeah. didn't love that. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. The 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 best, the, the thing the cat should have done was to be like, I'm talking to Charity right now. And we've already discussed this. This isn't the time for you to, to make this about you. And instead she ends the conversation. The women see Kat like burst in and they're like, so how did it go? And she says, well, it was interrupted by Brooklyn trying to make drama. Can't totally disagree with her here. Sorry, Brooklyn, (laughs) you've gone too far for me. So she gets up and storms out again. And Ariel asks Gabby if they should follow her to make sure she doesn't feel alone. And Gabby, with the absolutely savage... (laughs) strategy is like I don't think that would be in our best interest to be completely honest she's not looking for us she is right it's just so funny (laughs) because like what like the way that she phrases it is so like by saying like it's not in our best interest yeah it's gameplay she's referencing what would be like what would work for them and their edit on the show and so for them to capture that is hilarious to me to include that 
I also want to say that I believe she is the one who it's been reported. She is one of the people that had the Game of Roses book. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I mean, she's like, she's, she's talking like, Ariel, like it. Ariel, we need to stay uninvolved. Yeah. Kat is, I mean, and, and she also is correct. Like, Kat is clearly looking for a producer to vent yeah. to. They don't need to involve themselves. Gabby is fascinating to me because she kind of flies under the radar. Like, I think it's easy to look at people who really stand out as, like, extreme front runners or villains and be like, oh, they seem coached. They seem like they're being strategic. But she's actually successfully being very strategic by making these small moves to to blend in while still standing out to Zach. Well, that's the dream, right? Is that you can play it smart while also part of playing it smart is injecting your genuine personality and allowing yourself to have genuine feelings. So like she is both playing the game and being authentic. And that is very difficult to achieve. It's really hard, but watching her do it, it seems very effortless. Like she always, her recalibrations when things aren't going well are always on point. Like Mm -hmm. she has gotten herself right in the mix and she does still have a presence on the show without doing anything crazy by being a really good narrator and being really perceptive about what's happening with the other women. And I'm just like kind of in awe of how like seamlessly she's doing this. But then there are are these moments where you like see the strategy or hear about it with the book. But like to see her being like, to be, let's think about our best interests here. Like, is it in our best interest to get involved in this drama right now? No, we should sit here quietly like ladies. Um, So (laughs) we then see Kat venting to someone off screen. So clearly a producer about Brooklyn butting in. She's like, it's not fair. I can't keep getting pushed down. I do not want to feel this way before talking to him. It's not fair. (laughs) She's always so aware of how she doesn't want to feel before talking to Zach. Other people's feelings are less important. Yeah. She's like, I've been nothing but pleasant and supportive to everybody here. So to be treated that way, no. I think that, like, (sighs) it's certainly true that she hasn't, like, gone after anyone the way that Brooklyn is clearly determined to continue having conflict with her. But that doesn't mean that you've necessarily been supportive. (laughs) Like, I think it would be hard to spin stealing Zach during Charity's date pickup as supportive. She did that because she was so supportive of Charity's. (laughs) She was so supportive of her right, her own right to have her moment. Yeah. She was very supportive of that. The important thing is that Kat gets to have all of her own moments and everything be peaceful and serene around her for them. And... Everyone else can fuck off into the sun. Um, Like, I can understand being (laughs) frustrated that something that felt kind of small suddenly has ballooned into this, like, multi-night drama. That's on on you, too. Like, you could have mitigated this very early and you chose not to. Let us script your apologies for you. We have ideas. Uh, so in her in the moment Brooklyn says that she can see right through Kat and she thinks Zach is next and I was like are you sure I'm not sure Zach can see through her but then lo and behold Zach happens upon Kat's vent sesh she has to quickly paste on a smile and be like Zach and she's like oh (laughs) Zach's so funny he tells her that things felt a little off with her at the witch date 
Where is he getting? Like, seriously. I know. Did, I was like, Zach, what producer told you? Yeah, did producers say, like, this? haven't you noticed anything weird with Kat? Or is he truly just, like, picking up on a vibe? I I have questions. She acts surprised. She's like, I wasn't feeling that way. But, you know, it was my first group date in a while. I was just, like, trying to get back in the swing of things. I will say Kat plays this well. Yeah. It was smart not to say, like, Brooklyn, Brooklyn knocked me off my axis. Or, yeah. Yeah. She's left, though, pretty upset. She knows. She's like, oh, no. Again, Zach doesn't like a bad vibe. Yeah. Zach is very attuned to vibes. And once a vibe is off, yeah, Kat knows. She's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm on the chopping block. Yeah. She's like, other women must have put doubts in his mind. Like, this is not good. And on this uncomfortable note, it's time for the rose ceremony. And we are down... Always this is the point in the season where I'm like, wow, where did everyone go? And I know it happened gradually over time, but it doesn't it feels like we go from 20 women well, to seven. Because they cut so many women early on, it, I actually enjoyed the the leisurely pace of these cuts yeah. after. I think there's it's just something like about getting to below cut. like nine that I'm yeah. like, oh, this is now like a small group. This is a yes. small group. And you're breakout. also like, oh, I could like tell you at least one fact about everyone who's there now and yeah. I know all their names. I usually I expect there to be at least a few filler women who I don't feel like have a strong relationship and then you reach that point where that just isn't the case anymore. Um mm-hmm. so the roses go to Gabby, Katie, Brooklyn, and Kat. Charity and Ariel already have roses. Allie is going home. And Greer is not mentioned. She's out of sight, out of mind in quarantine. I was like, are they sending her home without saying anything? Like, did she get a rose delivered to her room? I, I don't know. They must have talked to Zach because, well, Logan has talked about what happened when he got COVID and the fact that he was kind of like disappeared. And according to him, Gabby was basically given the option, like, we can keep him around and he can rejoin the group. If you don't see anything, if you definitely see no possibility of moving forward, we can also just like have this be yeah. kind of the end of his arc. And that's what and she, she was like, like essentially him sent away. him home in that way. Yeah. So Zach probably was given that same choice. And he was like, she can, you know, I'll chat with her next week. Or it was whatever. just odd to me to like not have it mentioned. Like they usually say something, you know, like they'd be like, oh, because of her grandfather's death, like she won't be able to rejoin our journey or whatever. And, um, while we're talking about Greer's COVID, I forgot to say this earlier, but I want to mention that a lot of people get COVID more than once. And I certainly don't think that that is about politics. And I made a sort of flippant comment about it last episode that does not really reflect our beliefs about COVID no. infection. And I am sorry. Um, and I, I'm sorry that Greer got COVID again on The Bachelor, just trying to find love like all of yeah, us. Yeah, we, we do not want anyone to get COVID. And we certainly don't think that getting COVID is a moral failing of any kind. Yeah. So wishing Greer, like Zach, uh, uncomplicated recovery. And hopefully soon we'll find out what she's been up to. Meanwhile, Zach walks Allie out. Kind of a, a whimper of an ending to this relationship. They had such a good one-on-one, but then it yeah, kind of fizzled. She- Allie is like, all of those women are amazing. You have incredible women there. She like really holds it together for their goodbye. And then in the limo, she just seems exhausted. Yeah. She's like, 
it hurts to put yourself on the line and hope that something could work out and then it doesn't. And yeah. Yeah. Relatable. Next week on The Bachelor, Greer, Greer does. Comes she comes back. Thank God. Thank God. She no longer has COVID. She's Again, okay. I, I really assume that they have one conversation and then he like basically immediately sends her home. But I guess we'll see. Uh, and we get some women crying. Zach doesn't like that. Yeah. When women feel uncertain, Zach feels uncertain. And that's no <laughs> that's good. <true. laughs> it's contagion. This promo also looks ahead and we learn. Zach has taken another cue from his good friend, Sean. No sex during fantasy suites. Yeah, sex week, more like no sex week, for sure. This is chastity week. Chastity week. This week, instead of talking about sex, we're going to be talking about the importance of chastity and building a relationship. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about, like, we talked about this a little bit, Emma, as we were watching. I think tactically, it actually could be smart. It's actually a really good idea. <laughs> I, like, sure, I have always supported people's right to have sex in the fantasy suite and yes. i still do i think that you have every right to explore these relationships physically you're about to get engaged i understand wanting to like kick the tires so to speak and make sure you have that chemistry i understand wanting to like have that time together to develop your intimacy in that way however sean is the only bachelor who has ever married and stayed with his chosen woman at the end he's also the no sex in the fantasy suites bachelor coincidence we can't say for sure so why not give it a try you know i also think just we have seen fantasy suites cause so much drama in a a bunch of recent bachelor seasons like who do you have sex with who didn't you have sex with did you have sex with someone else before i had my date and i haven't been able to tell you about my boundaries like It is kind of smart for Zach to just be like, this show loves to weaponize sex. I will not be giving them the opportunity to do that to me. After Clayton's season, especially, like that alone. Exactly. That's traumatizing. Yeah. The last thing that I'm sure Zach wants, like, and every lead like goes in with this list of things they don't want to do because it's what the lead did to them that made them upset. So he doesn't want to like, I guess, interview the women about their values or whatever in the fantasy suite. But then you got to be looking at Clayton and being like, I don't want that. And so then you're like marking things off your list, like things you can do in the fantasy suite that might lead to chaos. And you're like, I'm left with this very small list. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. The show encourages people to stay completely open, to fully give into their feelings. That's how you find love. But like, it clearly isn't. It clearly causes a lot of pain and chaos and broken relationships when they follow the formula as the show insists it exists. So probably a good strategic move on Zach's part. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how it works out for him. Yeah. In the credits, which Haley offers them, all the women, some tea to open their throat chakras, and then they have to shout things they love, like themselves and nature. Zach loves Twix and sweet, sweet Jess loves Taylor Swift. And at that moment, the fire erupts and everyone is like, oh, yeah, you you sure do. do. Yeah. Can you imagine anyone who is more of a prototypical Taylor Swift lover? I was like, oh, Jess is a Swifty. Yeah. Nothing has ever made more sense. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Also, 
this scene more than I don't know anything about traditional Estonian witchcraft. Um, I'm not really into that sort of, you know, I don't like do a lot of research on that sort of thing. But I was like, we've got sage smudging. We've got throat chakras now. Like, I was like, this actually seems like kind of a grab bag of spiritualist concepts from around the globe. Maybe she's the next, Haley's the next teal swan. (laughs) We'll be on the lookout. I mean, that's like the Western thing, right? It's like, we're just taking some sort of spiritual concepts from here, there, everywhere. And that's our right. And (laughs) it's basically ours and we're original. (laughs) Let's get into love to see it, hate to see it. Let's start with Love to see it. Love to see Charity finally getting her one-on-one. She deserved it. They're sweet together. I love love. I love I love Tala and Estonia. <laughs> we also love to see Brooklyn's just incredible reaction faces. Just like the side eye that was meant to be memed. I mean, yeah. chef's kiss. And her just truly solidified identity as a straight shooter. Yeah. Brooklyn knows her brand and she's committed to it. She knows her brand and so does everyone else. They're like, Brooklyn, straight shooter. That's, yeah, that's her thing. I loved Witch Haley's fur and velvet ensemble <laughs> topping my look of the week board. Like, long vel- purple velvet drapery, long fur vest. It was so sumptuous. It's right up there with Gabby's um, slicked back bun look, which she paired with an oversized green blazer and a pleather mini dress. Really loved it. Also loved to see Ariel managing to be a sounding board while still holding her friend Kat accountable for some not so great behavior. Just a good, good episode for Ariel all around. Yeah. Finally got a one-on-one. She's she's a relatable gal. She's our New York City gal. Love Ariel. Now let's talk about hate to see it. I whew, I went back and forth on this one. I initially kind of hated to see Jess making the tactical error of pressing Zach on the one-on-one. But the more I then think about like, it, I'm like, what else was she going to get out of it? staying anyway? Maybe I love it. Maybe I love her honesty. You know what? I'm moving that one to love to see it. I love Jess's honesty about the lack of a one-on-one. <laughs> this is a real-time negotiation. I agree with you there. We've talked ourselves into it. We, we love did. to see it. We actually hate to see Zach acting like Jess was being kind of superficial for worrying about the one-on-one. And like, I get it, man, but it's also fair for her to question the relationship when it's very obvious that you're, you don't really care enough about her to take her on a date. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not childish or grabby for her to accurately note that she's not a priority for you. And it's also, look, Zach, it's not your fault, but you still hate to see it. Yeah. Also hate to see Kat refusing to just apologize for her wild move of stealing Zach in front of all the other women (laughs) before Charity's one-on-one and just really rubbing the other women the wrong way. Like the swiftness with, with which she doubles down and frames herself as the victim was a bit much. And hated to see it. Also hate to see Brooklyn inserting herself into Charity's conversation with Kat instead of just giving Charity the runway to take the lead on expressing her own feelings. Brooklyn, you've had your turn. Give it to Charity. Yeah. I would have loved to have Charity have some screen time where she actually 
expresses her own feelings and boundaries and needs without there being Brooklyn or Greer in there kind of like sucking up all of the attention, well-intended or not. Um, This bugged me. Mixed bag for Brooklyn this episode. Now it's time for our personality rating out of 10 for Zachies. This week, we did honestly learn a fair number of things about Zach. He loves Twix. He does not love pepper liquor. He hates ice cold charcuterie. Or loves it. Unclear. I assume he was joking, in which case he kind of hates it. Um, I don't know. Something about ice cold charcuterie. He is uncomfortable with public nudity in saunas. We do get a few actually solid jokes. Yeah. Which is great. And uh, once again, has a really strong reaction to a woman who wants reassurance. Yeah. He's not down. He's not down for that. He's not here for that. I'm going to say 6.5. I was going to go like 6. 6, 6.5. I feel like we are... We are understanding Zach more. We're seeing his moments of anxiety. We're seeing moments of humor. And we're seeing moments of earnestness. Almost like a complete human being. Yeah. And and that is what we crave. I feel like I'm seeing his his sense of humor emerge more consistently throughout the episodes, which I really appreciate. And I love knowing more about what I would serve if I had him over for lunch. And my list is now up to Twix. And cold charcuterie. Cold charcuterie, pancakes with mustard and syrup, admittedly off screen, but we do know about that, and peanut butter cups. So it's going to be a great lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. And on that note, that is it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow us, rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, tell all your friends about our show. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at ClareandEmma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back soon with some bonus content and next week for more of Zach's journey. Stitcher.